Hello, everyone, and welcome to Maine Contained Fishing Podcast with Binion Outdoors, Mike, and myself, Daniel. So, uh, for all my Facebook users, make sure you go over to Facebook and allow it to accept you on StreamYard so we can see your comment as yourself. So, tonight's show is an over and under. If none of the peeps know over and under stuff, um, we're going to talk about overrated baits versus underrated baits in the bass fishing world. So, how you doing tonight, Mike? Not too bad. I'm trying a different camera angle here, and I kind of like it. Sorry, I'm, <laughs> that's why I'm I'm like looking at the wrong spot because my camera's <laughs> normally up here. Ah, uh, you're good. Um, are you going to stream on your your channel? Oh yeah, <laughs> I want to hit my button, huh? <laughs> Dude, I'm so bad. So we got it going over on YouTube, both channels on YouTube, Twitch, and the Southeast Georgia Kite Bass Fishing Group. So, with that being said, we're just going to talk some bass fishing until we get some peeps in here and get some people rolling and people asking questions. Uh, uh, it should be streaming, Tim. It should be streaming on YouTube. Um, did it not show up on your channel? Um, let me see, right quick. Yeah, it's going live on the channel. Gotcha. Yo, that's that's something to you, Mike. So. Yeah, it's probably for me. Yeah. What the hell is that? Nah, I don't know. That's a bot. I have no idea. Somebody from Twitch. Good old bots. Bot world. Um, I actually thought about doing Twitch streaming, but uh -huh. from what I found, like Alex does his on there, he doesn't get much views. And if Alex Rudd isn't getting a lot of views on yeah. Twitch, I don't think it's worth yeah being outdoors so, doing it because we're not. <laughs> I mean, I'm not at Alex Rudd level for sure. I wish that I was. I wish there was some way to stream live on Instagram and without doing a. You know that we, you could use a stream streaming app on Instagram. Yep. Yeah, yep. Instagram would be nice. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's a yeah, it's a. But uh, yeah, we we'll, when me and Mike was off stage earlier, we were talking about starting a Northeast series for his group up there, just because. The boys up north can't compete with us boys down south as far as fish size. Y'all um, got a different growing season, man. <laughs> our, our fish, our fish right around. now are, are in hibernation mode till March. So yeah. So when will when will the water start getting back right for fishermen on the north north side? To be completely safe, if you were gonna yeah. do like a monthly, it would be May, May. to guarantee that you're gonna have open water. Um so May, usually June, around July, Mother's, 
Yeah, usually it's usually it's May through like September, and then if you want to do like October, you could. Um, I avoid if I was going to run a tournament series, I would avoid October because what happens is is you get the good old boys heading in the woods deer hunt, and then you're going to yeah. lose half of your. I mean, so you could do like May through September. Okay. And do a season like that. So, um. I start fishing in March, <laughs> but that's if I can find open water. So yeah. um, it depends on the year. You know, some years we have ice right until Mother's Day. Oh, wow. And then other years, like this year, last year, we didn't get ice ever. There was guys out there fishing for smallies on Champlain, dude, in January. And like 20 below zero but it was like it was never really it never really got cold consistently long enough to do it but um we'll definitely talk about it maybe we'll even do that as a topic on one of the one of the shows um and talk about the rules and all that again i know we kind of went over it a little yeah. bit we could introduce it because i wouldn't mind that i always liked doing like i did kbf monthlies but because right. it's limited to just vermont we would get four people <laughs> right so I would want to encompass Maine, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, even Rhode Island, honestly. Like every pretty much everything from upstate New York up would work. Maybe even include like Jersey, just because like uh mainstream fishing and those guys like they fish Jersey in that yeah. area too. You get there's 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 fish in Jersey, but you're not getting unless you're fishing Mike Iconelli's private pond, you're not getting 10 pounders you know what i mean yeah. so it's yeah, like because up here like dude that's the thing is like that's why i was i always like doing those nationwides but it's also frustrating because to be fair like our state record is a 10 pounder <laughs> like that's the state record like that's yeah. not a you know that's not an average like ohiv average you know what i mean like yeah. it, it, you catch a 10 pounder you literally are in the record books here not oh that's another 10 pounder like that's you know eight nine pounds is like you're got bragging rights for the whole yeah. summer yeah so and especially with kayak with i mean we do have weird fish too because we have smallmouth so we do get length you know you'll get yeah. a 22 inch smallmouth that's only three and a half pounds right but so. yeah no it's definitely something to talk about for sure we can oh, we yeah. can look into that so let's kick off the first bait tonight mike okay what's your most underrated bait that you think the most underrated bait i think so okay yeah this is actually an interesting one that it's a forgotten bait so speaking of cold water in the beginning of the year the most underrated bait for bass fishing is the inline spinner like a mep spinner or any rooster tail any of those a lot of people think that they're only for trout so i'm going with it's underrated for bass fishing for example because a lot of people think that that's only a trout bait right but if you fish like mep size like four and bigger in the spring they will annihilate those things and no one really uses them anymore like everybody forgets about them and every i mean walmart has them every tackle store has them but everybody thinks that they're only for trout and walleye and like different type like pike if you get the big ones yeah. but 
if you fish those, like I think that's one of the things I do in the spring every year is I throw the MEPS Fire Tiger, you know, inline spinner a lot, and I catch a lot of big. Like I've caught four pounders on a little tiny inline spinner. Yeah, so we used to use them as kids a lot for uh, red fan pike in these small yep. creeks when we were kids. We we'd yep. wade the creek and throw them on little Zebco thirty threes and yep and catch red fan pike about no lie the the red fan pike are about this big. I think the state record down here is like a pound and a half. Okay, yep. So really, the way my grandmama used to cook them, you just cut the head off, you cut them, and you just fry them whole and eat right. whole fish bones yep. and everything because it had so many small bones that it that you couldn't uh you couldn't sit there and try to pick every small so you just fry them hard and you eat them like a, a cookie yep <laughs> so but yeah it's it's one of those baits that everybody forgot about it was just like some guys still use them and but a lot of people don't and they think they're yeah. only for a specific species yeah so <clears throat> probably my underrated most bait would be the broke back rebel it's silver and black okay. um made by made by the i don't some people call it rapala yeah um but it's a, a it's a broke back it's got a jointed in uh okay yep 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 i know what you mean now now looking at that um we were actually using those speaking of fishing early that's one of the things I was trolling for Lakers. I was using those for on Lake Champlain, trolling for Lakers with those. Yeah, because they have a little bit more wobble to them when they're when they're yeah. retrieved, and they float. And and yep. we used to we we fish them in the river a lot down here because you, you can throw that thing up there and they'll float and you just twitch it a couple of times. And yep. If the bass is there, he's going to hit it or a jackfish or whatever. But um, uh, yeah, it's that's probably my most underrated underrated bait okay. in, in my in, in my in my head so now out of curiosity too is there colors that are better than others in that uh so i'm looking they have pretty much everything it looks yeah like. i i just use that that black back silver bottom yeah um that, that's just makes the, sense that's just a color that we use a lot down here in the in the rivers and then that would work here too because we have shiners so kind of that same type yeah. of profile <clears throat> yeah so let me let me throw a question out to everybody if you have a question of your most underrated bait throw it up in the comments and we'll get to it um just throw it up in the comments and we'll get to it if you can think of your most underrated underrated bass bait that you think that bass fishermen sh should still be using today the funny part is a lot of them are always like OG baits because everybody finds something sexy that's like new that replaces that category. Yeah, um, the hula popper. Remember the hula poppers? Yep. My mom actually, the other day, she was like, she found a bunch because they had like, I don't remember where she bought them, yard sale or something. And she's like, are these good? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um. Golly, I wish I had my grandfather's old tackle box here. I could really bring out some old school. OG Dude, what's, stuff. what's crazy about that too is like, so when I was a kid, like my dad still has a lot of them, but like the the OG Rapalas and like the OG stuff like that, like 
dudes pay a lot of money for those now. Like stuff yeah. that was just sitting in your dad's tackle box getting rusty that he'd ever threw is stuff that like people will pay a mint for on eBay because they're like just these OG baits. Yeah, that... it's golly, what was another OG? The old creek chugs. Um yep. who made the old creek chug. Um I know what you mean. I've I haven't actually seen one in person, but I know I've seen the actual videos of them being used. I wish I'll draw it on a piece of paper, right here. So the front of it kind of looked weird because it had a like a triangle front. So you can see that that's the way it used to. It had like that, that triangle front, right there, uh, where, yep. right there. And then the, the top of the bait came over and the bottom of the bait came over. It, it was kind of. And they were made out of wood, like pine wood or balsa wood. I'd say mostly balsa probably, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a. Uh, Looks like you got a few in storm, the chat yeah. there. Yeah, Storm Storm made another one. Um the rattling thin fin. Okay. Look look that up right quick, Mike, and you'll you'll see what I'm talking about. It, it's a it almost Round it was black, it was black with silver body. You can buy them in chrome. Oh uh, yep. Yeah. You I those had like a weird blade too, like a metal blade or something in them, didn't they? Or something like that. I've seen those before. I don't know. Like the bill I, was like a different material almost. Yeah. Like. But yeah, the storm yep. company made them. Storm makes a lot of like the whole company, if you want to do overrated, underrated. Honestly, yeah. Storm is underrated. They make a lot of really cool stuff. They do. That people don't know about. Like they have the um like speaking of OG baits, but they kind of brought back the wiggle wart. Yes. And they have like their version of what the wiggle wart used to because the original wiggle warts is one of those baits that like if you have an OG one, you're going to make a ton of money because people will buy them. But Storm made one and it's it's really cool because it's such a small bait, but those things dive like eight feet, but they're like this big. So like you're talking like a size of a 1.5 square bill that dives to eight feet because of the way they did the bill and the shape of it. So it was really cool for me, like as a smallmouth, cause I'm fishing a lot of smallmouth. They need that smaller profile, but I can get down there. Cause a lot of your deep diving crankbaits are freaking huge. Like a six XD or whatever is like yeah. too yeah, big. That, yeah. That thing's like a six XD is probably along with the build to the back hook is huge. Four or five inches at least. So <laughs> and you got to you know where these wiggle warts are small. And you gotta you gotta <laughs> like you gotta use like a eight speed reel <laughs> yep. and, and you're like bombing it out and like just rolling that thing. That's right. So Bass Patrol Nation. That's those the gambler flapping shad. Gambler. Never I've heard of the gambler. I think Gambler is a company, right? That, that uh, yeah, Gambler yeah. is uh they they do plastics mostly. Yeah. They do have a few things. Um, they're more in Florida. They're they're headquartered in Florida. I do a little bit yeah. of stuff with Gambler, so I actually did some pictures and stuff for them. But yeah, um, actually, I've got 
some stuff around here from them, but um, yeah, the flapping shad's kind of like a fluke with a beaver tail. I guess it's kind of the easiest way to word it. So think of a fluke body with then like a long flat tail on the end of it. Flapping shad. Oh, okay. They actually work really good as a chatterbait trailer. Because they the tail just kind of it doesn't like distort the action of the bait. Right. I've I've used them as like a chatterbait trailer or um you could Texas rig them too. It's pretty If you made that into a four inch, you could probably yeah. use that on a drop shot. Yeah, if you made a small yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's it's almost like a yeah, you could see you could, you could definitely use it as that. Yeah, it's like I said. I mean, it's like basically the front half of a fluke with like a whippy tail, and then it's yeah. got a flat paddle on the back. So of it. I, I guess it gives it more. It makes it. It actually does. In my experience, it doesn't like swim like a like a kayak, but it right. like just gives it a little bit bigger profile. Oh, if you're speed trolling them, yeah. so they, yeah, Bass Patrol yeah. says they're speed patrol. So if you speed troll them behind a boat, that would definitely, yeah. Yeah. So Kevin, on his underrated, Kevin Spivey said Bomber was always underrated. Bomber always reminded me of, like, Storm, too. Like, Bomber lures are kind of, they're like a cross between, like, Storm and Bandit. Yeah. They have a lot of stuff that's very similar to um, strike the shape King. of a lot of Strike yeah. King stuff. And they're kind of like an off brand. They actually yeah. make, I was using, what did I have? I had a square bill from them that did really, really well. It was a smaller size square bill. And it had pretty good action on the water. I've definitely used their stuff before. Yeah. We're just sitting here Googling baits now at this point. <laughs> yeah. I, I got to the... look at them. There, there's so many. There's 50 million zillion oh, trillion so of them out there anymore. Yeah, so many bait companies now. And there's, um, I mean, only slight differences from one to another, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um... Uh, so Bass Patrol Nation said, is that know. Arbor Gas Jitterbug or the Arbor? I'd have to look that one up. I know what the Jitterbug looked like, but. Yeah, it's, that's what it is. At least that's what it's. Apparently that must be the brand that made it. Maybe so. Yeah. Yeah. That was the brand that made it. Yep. Yeah. Though, those are freaking OG as OG gets, man. That's before yep. you had the poppin' frog and the freaking wake baits. This is this is what filled that need back then. Yeah, I think I think everybody's dad had one of these growing up. Usually the black one for whatever reason. Yeah, we. I, I think my dad had one in his, but it was more like a frog color. 
they made so they made one that looked a lot like a um they had so up here in Vermont because we have perch as our primary forage. Yeah. You'd get a lot of guys that would use like a chartreuse, their big a chartreuse in black. Yeah. But yeah, there was definitely my mom actually gotten an efficient recently and she pulled some of these out of my dad's box and started using but of course she's trying to use them over grass and they're just potted <laughs> grass okay i could see where those would still work though for sure kevin said he still uses a jitterbug i bet i might have to find me some of these og baits and just make me an og box you should dude yeah, I've got to and do that. Actually, you know, now I think about it, that might not be a bad idea. That might be a good video idea for me for my content for my channel, too. Because, yeah. just, like, take a day, a half a day, and just fish just like OG stuff, old, old floating Rapalas and jitterbugs, and yeah. find find some old balsa baits and stuff like that. And what other like some of them old school guys, like Roland Martin, I bet. I bet you if you dug through his garage, he could find some. <laughs> Problem is, guys like Roll Martin probably got like prototypes and never even made it to the market. <laughs> yeah. Probably sitting on the bottom of a box somewhere that's worth like a million dollars. Yeah, like stuff that was like prototypes that you can't yeah. even get. Colors that never existed. Yeah. But. i tell you another underrated bait in... in like I showed you earlier, this is a scrounger head made scrounger by Pulse head. Lures. Yeah, so I added the skirt. If you, if you noticed the, if you took the skirt off, this is what the original. Yeah, this is. I'm gonna try that, dude. I never thought to use. I never thought to use a skirt on a scrounger head. Now I might try that because in the springtime I have a lot of success with chatterbaits and swim jigs and that's kind right. of like the hybrid between the hybrid yeah so just just rubber flap here yep yeah so it's gonna it kind of gets the for those of you who are listening on a podcast so scrounger yeah. head is basically think of a swim jig head with a square bill bill attached to the top of it essentially yeah. but the bill is actually floppy and what that does is is it creates that hunting action that a chatterbait has, but it doesn't have the vibration that you're getting from a metal blade. So it's like basically the equivalent of a silent chatterbait is how it essentially works. It just creates a weird darting action. It makes an erratic, makes yeah. that bait kind of hunt and move around a lot more. So Tim, Tim, Tim Williams is with Death Dealer Baits. See how thin that it's real thin. I, I, you need to make a mold, man. <laughs> what is that? Is that a... Let what me, is that bait? Yeah, let, let me get, get them out. Yeah. Kind of almost looks like the Damiki Shad or whatever, but... Yeah, that's... I think I think they were originally made for like a Damiki. There's a lot of... That's what a lot of guys do. Yeah, a lot of guys use like a Damiki bait on like a trailer now. Yeah. So that's, if you can see that this head, this head's more of an al, what they call an albino shad. Okay. And this is the blue shad. Now, when you fish those, do you have, because I haven't had a ton of success with them, do you have to like slow roll those? Ah, uh, you can slow so roll them. Like, what I'm going to do is, 
I just bomb them. I'm okay. throwing them. I'm throwing them on a medium cranking rod, and I'm bombing them. Okay. And I wait till it hits the bottom, and I'll start just slow drilling it. Slow rolling it. Okay. And you can because actually... I felt like I was reeling them too fast, and they kept rolling over on me. Yeah. I think it might have been because I was also using a paddle tail, but that's a good point. Is I could use like a. Actually, I could use that bait that we were just talking about. That flapping shad would probably work too on that. Yeah. So this is the. This is what they call the albino. It's real thin. It, it almost looks like a minnow. But the tail forks it's out. It's got a fork tail on it. Yeah. yeah. But it's real thin. They throw these things on the Tennessee River. Um, yep. What's the guy's name on YouTube? Big, hefty guy. Um, bass. Crap. He's from around that area. He had a video on him throwing him off the of ledges. Oh, um, are you talking about Bass Quest? Talking about Caleb? No. Because I know he used to do a bunch of videos back in the day. Yeah. Um, Hank is his first name. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting dude. I got to try those. Like, that's what I've got to figure out more of is, to be honest, I'm very limited on my trailer selection. Right. When I run my baits, I don't have a lot of selection on trailers. And I think that's what was killing me this year is I was like throwing it and it didn't work. And I just didn't try anything different. And I sometimes, as weird as it is, like, like I do, I throw a lot of uh, fluke juniors as trailers on my chatterbaits and stuff, just to get a bigger profile, but yeah. no effect to the blade. But other than that, I'd never really use. I, I use an upside down paddle tail, so it doesn't flip the blade out. And I need to start like experimenting with some other style of trailers because I feel like I could definitely get more versatility out of baits if I figure out which ones work good. Right. So Bass Patrol Nation, what you? I uh, don't think. I didn't catch what you were saying, but they still sell them at Walmart. The, the jitterbug, I think that's probably the jitterbugs. Jitter I've bugs. seen, I think I've seen them at Walmart, the jitterbugs. Yeah. yeah. That's my next project. I'm going to make an old school box and do some old, get me a, get me a, get me an old bait caster. If I can find me an old bait caster that, you know, the big reel, the, <laughs> yeah like the uh what was it? abu garcia used to make them dude yeah. um i think Daiwa made them too but yeah i know what you mean yeah. like actually you know what's funny is those those reels are still available because a lot of the catfish guys use them that's right yep they use those yeah. it's like you if you google like bait casting for catfish it's the old school bait cast reel is what it is it's yeah. it's like a cross between like a downrigger reel and the modern bait cast reel yeah that's 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 true ones you had to keep your thumb on or you would just yeah yeah you're gonna <laughs> blow those up yeah. and back then too of course it's also different because back then you were just running mono that's right you weren't run. there was no such thing as floral Flo carbon or braid yeah you were running berkeley big game is what you were running on those and it would poof. Dude, <laughs> yeah. I gotta I gotta realize I should show you. I gotta bring them inside. Yeah. Um 
I got a reel in my shed right now, dude. I blew that thing up. I casted that thing, and line was coming out of the reel. Oh, uh, I'm gonna have to literally cut out that bird's nest. <laughs> hey Tim, I will definitely send you one so you can look at it. Um, see if you see what you can do, because I'd be I'd be highly interested in some of them. See, I'm curious about, I'm thinking about, because I'm actually thinking about doing like a bait making series this winter. Because I have a, I have a small shed and I have a, the microwave and stuff out there mm-hmm. to make baits with. And I actually saw like a guy online was making videos about taking like existing baits and pouring a silicone mold over top of them to make your own like molds. And I kind of want to try it because basically you're making an open pour mold at that point. Right. But I'd be interested to see if I could make like, cause if I could make my own version of like some of these baits, cause I eventually would be cool to like, cause I'd see a lot of these guys are making them out of clay and everything else. Like yeah. it'd be interesting to see if you could make a design that actually catches fish. So I've been holding this thing in my hand for quite a while, Mike, this, this bait. And this was, Probably the most overrated bait today. I, I, I want to tell you the most overrated bait today. Okay. And we refer to it as many names. <laughs> you know what's funny though? It's that's a great point, dude. This thing but... is referred to as a cinco, a stick bait, a stick worm, stick a fucking... worm. Yeah, you know. Yep. Um. But it, it, it's 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 overrated. But you know what? I still catch fish on. What you know? What's funny about that too is, and this is something that kind of going on the same topic of like baits and generals. What does that look like? It looks like. Have a you earthworm. ever seen? Have you ever seen an earthworm in the lake though? Yeah, Hang I've on. never seen an earthworm in a lake. Me neither. So it's like, what are we what are we mimicking with that? But yet, bass eat the crap out of them. It's something that always baffled me about that. It was, you know, like, dude, I, that's hands down. Every bass fisherman that's worth the salt has those. And these, these are all made by Tim Williams, everybody in, in the chat. Um, that these are baits, but there you go. Yeah. I've got some of those. Yeah. Those are the ones you sent me. I've got some. Yeah. Of that. I like that color a lot, actually. You know, I hadn't even thrown it yet. I still got, really? I still got like four or five in my box. I just, I might wacky rig some of these this year during the spring and just see that color right there. You could wacky rig it, but I bet you could also um Carolina rig it and drag them because they're they have that earthworm color to them, and if you drag them, that's going to be yeah. like an earthworm across the bottom. Right, but you know. Is I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you the difference in between some of them. This is made by Big Baits, Big Bike Baits. Uh, let me get it on camera here, and kind of see how small it is compared yep. to Tim. Tim Tim's got a bigger Tim's mold. giving you that. They're a little yeah. bit more beefy. Yeah, they feel like they're more the plastic. I noticed too. It feels like. I don't want to say it's like a last tech, but it seems like a hybrid between like a cheaper 
stickworm and a more long-lasting one. Like, it seems like there's a little bit more sturdiness to them. They're not just going to rip as soon as they get hit. Yeah. That's one thing I liked about them is when I fished them, I noticed that, like, I wasn't ripping them out every... Like, if I got a wacky rig and a bluegill ripped on, grabbed on the tail and yanked on it, I didn't lose the bait like I do with some other baits. Yeah, it's... Uh, I just... You know, I, I just like a bigger profile. I, I guess I'm just a bigger profile type guy when I'm fishing worms or any type of plastic. I like a, yeah. a beefier. So when the fish bite down on they feel like they're getting a meal and they hang on to it. So I think I think on the same note of an overrated, underrated category, uh-huh. what I'm going to do is prevent myself from ever getting a sponsorship from this company because I've said this on the internet a lot. <laughs> I think Yamamoto Senkos are overrated. I don't think you yeah. need to spend $9 a package no. on a stick worm when you can go to a guy like Death Dealer Baits and get just as good of a bait or you can buy if you want to buy store brand you can buy Yum Dingers or you can buy Big Bite Baits. Yeah. Like I don't personally think in my experience and again I'm fishing is an anecdotal thing and I've said it a million times you can be on the same boat with the same rod and reel with the same bait next to the guy using the exact same setup and you're going to catch more fish than they do. But at the end of the day, a bait that is going to get destroyed, first of all, because by nature, whether you're Texas rigging it, wacky rigging it, I don't care how you're rigging a a worm, a Senko, a stick worm, however you want to call it, they're going to get shredded. You're going to go through them. I would rather not spend $9 a pack (laughs) when I can spend $4.99. That's right. It's just, and I get that there's a different fall rate, but let me tell you a little secret. I have a do-it molds, Yamamoto Senko mold, and I make my own, and you can add your own different levels of salt. And if you don't have the equipment or the space to make your own, there is a lot of really good quality small bait makers like Death Dealer. Just mentioning them because they're a friend of the channel, but ultimately... There's a lot of these guys that make really cool colors, really good quality baits, and you're still going to pay less and help a guy out that's doing it out of his garage for fun instead of paying $9. You're basically paying a dollar a Senko. That's right. For I, I just – and I, I have buddies that will be like, no, dude, you're wrong. They're, they're the only ones that work. I'm like, I can tell you right now, there's a wall behind me. For those of you listening on podcast form, there is a freaking pegboard behind me of plastics. I've got KVD. Mm-hmm. I've got Big Bite. I've got Z-Man. I've got Gambler. I've got some Death Dealer baits over there. Like, I've fished them all. And I could tell you the only difference between them that I've ever found is that if you take a June bug of a Big Bite baits, you put it next to a June bug of a Berkeley General, and you put it next yeah. to a June bug of somebody else, it's three different colors. Just, Other than that, this, yeah, it's just it's just the the way the bait maker perceives that color. Yep, and that's really know, the only thing I've seen is maybe yeah. the colors are slightly different. But other than that, yeah, I know there's probably different salt content and different plastics that are used. But and Yamamoto doesn't even own Yamamoto anymore, right? Then they no. get sold out. He, he sold everything. Yep, salt. that's the reason why a lot of his molds are hitting the market now. Gotcha. He, he he sold he sold everything, but go, going to that, that that's a good over and underrated topic. You know, personal bait makers versus corporate bait makers. Yep. You know. Yeah. I re- I, I will tell you. you know, 
if I need something in the pinch and I, and I can't get it shipped to me overnight, then I, I'll go to the store. And I'll, I'll run the store and buy them. Yep. Yeah. But, I can uh, tell you right now, I'm subscribed to a subscription box, Dark Horse Tackle. So these guys only put cust- like small business, American small business baits in their box. They don't do the, you know, the big boy subscription box where you're getting six cents and all that stuff. These are literally yeah. guys that are carving their own balsa. They're hand spray, you know, they're painting it, they're air gunning it. They're these guys are making their own lead jigs. They're pouring their own lead. Like these small bait guys, which you don't realize until you really get into the nitty gritty of the details, is. And again, I'm probably ruining any chance of ever getting a sponsor, but I'll admit right now, the fact is the guy who's doing this as a hobby project in his garage is going to give you a better quality bait than the guy who's making a run of 100000 to make a profit. That's I'm right. sorry. It's just yeah. going to happen. You're going to get and, – and honestly, what's really cool about the custom bait world is – is that you're getting something a little bit different than everybody else has. So when you buy a bait from a company like Death Dealer, you buy a bait from one of these, like A-Bay, like these guys right here on my hat. Like if you buy a bait that's hand-painted, it's going to be slightly different than the other bait that he makes of the same color because he can't – he's not a machine, so he can't replicate that color exact. And at the end of the day, when you go fishing, sometimes the fish just want to see something slightly different, a slightly different color. Yeah. And these aren't made place. to mimic the industry standard color. They're made to mimic what this guy thinks a good color is. So a lot of times you get an edge by using some of these small companies. That's right. Yeah. It's a, and oh, it would, I call them personal bait makers because that's what they yep. are. They, they, they give you a, a, a personal, type color absolutely um and even though you might have the color of a yum dinger that you like but he you know them them companies use so much plastic whatever they make baits out of plastic dye whatever yep and but he's adding like one one to one and a half drops again to to the your your specified color that you're asking for and it's a shade darker then fish might want it more a shade darker than a translucent or a clear or a you know they're 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 fish fish are picky just like humans are about food um unless they're just really starving then you're going to eat anything but but yeah it's a I really think some some big company bait makers are just overrated. Uh, I really do. I just you know, you know, it's funny as they say stuff like that too. So, I mean, I mean, transparency wise, you know, I work with. I don't get paid. I'm not sponsored yeah. by yeah. a bay lure. They they it's he's a bait painter. He he's in upstate New York and he just paints baits. I got hooked up with him because I went to a trade show. And I had colors of Berkeley war pigs that I just couldn't get anymore. I wanted this color. So I messaged him and I said, Hey dude, if I send you a picture of a bait, can you paint this color for me? And he's like, absolutely. And that's where the benefit of having a small bait company is 
colors can't be patented only the design of the bait can be patented so you right. can send them hey make me a bait that looks like this but what i really wish is it had chartreuse on the head or i wish it had you can get this custom bait or this custom detail because i will admit dude honestly i i work with some small bait companies but then also dude my <laughs> probably one of my best baits this year was a berkeley war pig like berkeley is yeah you know, I use Rapalas, I use Berkeley, I use Z-Man, I use them all. I'm not saying don't. I mean, I got a mega bass in the background. Like, I use all these baits. It's just sometimes, in my opinion, overrated, underrated kind of deal. Like, yes, there is a slight difference between, like, crankbaits, for example. But I have some cotton cordels that have caught me just as many fish as my mega bass. And yeah, it's, it's all what you can afford. You know what I mean? It's like it's yeah. – and there's companies that used to be really cheap. Like honestly, one of the best crankbaits – and you're an OG guy, so you definitely know – is one of the best crankbaits I've ever used. And unfortunately, they're kind of going away is Bandit. Dude, Bandit used to make square bills that were lights out, man, no, for a I'm long have to, I'm, time. I might look at that one. I've never yeah, heard of Bandit. Yeah, Bandit is uh, kind of like Bomber. They're kind of in that same category um and they make a small size square bill and medium size square bill just like strike king does yeah and they're significantly cheaper than your strike king baits uh, one that's one of the first crankbaits i ever had super success on was was bandit and it's like a brand that you could buy at walmart or you could buy it. a matter of fact we have here we have like weird like almost like pop-up like you go into the hardware store and they'll have a fishing section and they'll have like some bandit crank baits and some hooks and stuff like that. Like, yeah. But yeah, it's, but yeah, it, it's, there, there, there's so much fishing stuff out here now. You know, when I was growing up, yeah, back in the late, you know, I was born in 73. So, um, so you figure when I was old enough to start fishing six, seven years, early eighties. Um, heck, I didn't, you didn't hear strike King or <laughs> I, I think you had man's the old man's jelly worms. Yep. Um, there wasn't a lot of plastics. Weren't really a thing. No, either. you, you had, I don't even know when culprit came into existence. I don't know when they when that company started. Um, yeah, your Rapala's. I mean, Rapala has been yeah. around for a hundred years, but I'm trying to think of who like. And then there was obviously like gimmicky stuff that came along the years too. Oh. And I have some of their lures too. It's the Cream Company. I think they're out of Florida. You ever heard of Cream? No. Let me see if I can find some there. Yeah, here they are. <clears throat> These are their little swim, I guess, swim baits. They come in a pearl white, like a like a little perk color. So Oh dude, so <laughs> These, Yeah, speaking of. Yeah. See? Like little paddle tail. These things are 
Storm makes one of those too. Yep, I've seen yeah. those. But these are made by Cream. Um, huh. They come like a two pack at Walmart. Oh, really? And I, I, I would put this on for an underrated bait. See, dude, I've never had success with that style of bait, and I want to because it makes sense. It's this paddle tail with an open hook. Yeah, but you know, but, once the fish eat all this up, is I guess you could tear the plastic off and just use it because it's got a sinker built inside of it. With the yeah, you know what you know what it's funny is if if you actually think about it, which is kind of ironic, is it's basically a hover rig inside there you of it. That's essentially what that rig is, is a hover yeah. rig. Because I've ripped those apart. It's essentially a hover rig on the inside. Because there's yeah. a little bit of lead wrapped around a shank well, hook. The way it looks that I can see in this white is there's lead, a lead head, and there's a piece of lead right here that kind of gives it a... Yep. Like a like counterbalance. A horn. Yeah. But yeah, it's a very, but, very similar kind of shape to a hover rig. But yeah, I should throw these things back in my tackle box. I... I need to start fishing these. You could probably throw them on an Alabama rig, couldn't you? <laughs> yeah. You could. You Yeah. See, the problem is, is here, the Alabama rig here is not valuable because you can't have more than two hooks. Uh, so you can throw here. as many hooks you want in the state of Georgia. Yeah. See, here you can only use two. And yeah, so it's it. not really valuable because – they ultimately end up hitting hitting the decoys every time, and then you're just you're wasting your time. Yeah, you're wasting your time. Because I have a couple of them. I bought like Yumdinger makes a a rig or umbrella rig is what they call it. But yeah, umbrella rig. Um, yeah. but the problem is, is I have one in my boat. But the problem is, like I said, I can only use a couple of hooks on it. So it's like you have to be really specific on where you put the hooks, or you're just never going to catch anything on it. Yeah, I. Uh... But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to rig this thing up right quick and show you. That's what I'm doing is rigging up. For people that's not seeing, um, I've got an umbrella rig with these cream lures that I'm for the podcast people. But uh, yeah, cream cream lures, they, they make, look, look them up. They got some, some weird looking, some weird looking stuff. Um, I can't even see in this. Yeah, I say I'd never heard of them at all. But yeah, this the Alabama, you know, I think there's some bass tours that the Alabama rig or whatever umbrella legal. rigs are, are out out out. It's illegal. I think I think Bass Pro. <laughs> I don't think they allow them in Bass Pro. I think Bassmasters made them illegal. See, the problem is, is a lot of states banned them. So um, like Vermont has a lot of weird laws on like how many hooks you can use. So like you can't, um, what they classify as a bait and what you can have for how many hooks you can have. So instead of banning the bait, they just made the rules in a way that the bait really couldn't be used because what are you going to do with it? But then you go, there you go again, Vermont, they also banned the sale and use of lead under an ounce, uh -huh. but every tackle store sells lead. jigs with lead. <laughs> 
and no one stops them. So it's like no one really enforces it. So where are you? Where's the line? Like you yeah. go into a lot of the local, like the good old boy tackle shops, dude, and they've got like hand poured stuff that they poured themselves in a five gallon bucket out front that you can buy a handful for four bucks or whatever. Like, so dude, I'd try that. I would try that. I might have to, it might. Cause you're going to get, see, these going to be a lot heavier, but these two, uh, I would say about a, I wouldn't even say this is two ounces. Okay. Because this head right here is balsa wood. On this. Oh, okay. It's not a weight. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. not weighted. So anything weighted would be down here. Yeah. So actually, if anything, that might help because that balsa is going to make that suspend more. And then those are going to yeah. help pull it down a little deeper. You'll be able to fish that a little deeper. Yeah. yeah I might have to try that out. That's a good idea. Glad I brought I that mean, out. Yeah, dude. I would definitely try that because. <laughs> Cause uh, Berkeley makes those kind of baits too. So, yeah, yeah. Berkeley makes. I have them right here. Power bait makes them. That's right. Same idea. Yep. Yes. So the pretty head's already the in there. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much the same concept. I've and I've had these for a long time. I got them in white. I got them in perch. I just never used them because. <laughs> I always thought like I was going to use them and then I just always forget to grab them. Like that's actually why this wall is behind me <laughs> is this is the stuff that like I wanted to display to myself because what I did when I bought all these plastics kind of getting back on topic is overrated and underrated. We can do an overrated of the rainbow of colors that you can get for baits is overrated. You really need to oh, stick yeah. to like three colors. Like don't, buy freaking rainbow colored baits stick with your your basic three well i i i'm gonna have to go i i got to throw my whites and my pinks in there okay yeah because, because that's what we fish in the river down here yep so like a pink trick worm white trick worm black trick worm yep. if you're gonna fit if you're gonna fish the river nearest to my house e either river the kanucha river's out of way yep no geechee river's out of way and they meet down in Savannah. So if you had to take one, like one bait and fish it all day long, just take you a medium rod that you can throw a weightless Texas rig trick worm on and you'll catch fish all day long. Yep. Pink, white, and black. <laughs> and black guys, pink, white, white works pretty much across the country, even yeah. in Vermont. Black is going to work in everybody at water you fish june bug green pumpkin yep and and honestly to be honest as much as i want to believe it's different june bug and black blue fleck is pretty much the same bait yep where one works the other usually works too it's just a personal preference thing i have found that i have more confidence in june bug and i've caught bigger fish on june bug but i think that's just purely because I've bought in so many of them because I think it's going to work that I, I was saying this on my last podcast is I think, and it's a weird juju superstition thing, but I think your confidence transmits down that line to your bait. It I does. think like if you truly believe in that color, or if you truly believe in a Coors like can with a treble hook, 
it'll catch fish. It's just something about a confidence thing. I think it's how you fish it. I think you're more in, intentional with it. And I know a lot of guys, my dad's a perfect example. My dad is traditionally a salmon trout guy, right? And when he goes bass fishing, dude, he's got three different Sankos tied on. Like, that's what he does. He ties on three Texas rig Sankos of different colors, and he works them things to death. And he fishes them a hundred different ways, and he catches fish right next to me. And I've got eight rods behind me with a square bill, a chatterbait, a swim jig, a jig, a freaking jerk bait. Like, I've got them all. Yeah. That, but he'll go out good. there and tie on three different stick worms. And so I'll I tell you a story about stick worms. So I went fishing in the Savannah River with my uncle, and he fishes the Savannah River all the time. Um, and before he could get one bite on a on like a buzz bait or a jerk or a, a rapala, broke back rapala, yep. I had already landed four fish. Yeah, on this bait right here. Yep. Fishing it weightless on a spinning reel. Yep. He was like, man, what are you doing? I was like, I guess I'm going to my confident bait. I can catch fish on. I, I've caught them in the Gichi River. I've caught them in the Kanuchi River. Really? On it. It's it's the funniest thing because, well, <laughs> yeah. it's another example is like uh, Grande Bass Rattlesnake Worms or Big Bite Coontail Worm, for example. It's a bait that I discovered in a discount bin at a local tackle store and I started using mm-hmm. and I have fished in the boat with four or five different people I have been, you know, kayaks right next to each other, casting into the same spot and they won't catch a damn thing on that bait. But yeah, I will throw that freaking bait in there and come out of there with big bass. It's, it's something about confidence is confidence is probably the most underrated bait in the fishing industry having experience with a bait knowing how to work that bait and having the knowledge and the confidence to throw it is one of the biggest things in bass fishing i honestly still to this day say that like you can throw the wrong bait in the wrong situation and still catch fish if you just confidently work that bait through if you're half-assed thinking that it's not going to work you're going to tend to not work that bait properly you're going to have bad cadence you're going to not care and you're not going to fish it as hard so you're not going to catch as many fish on it right that, that's just like me uh i wasn't confident in crankbaits because i you know i just didn't like fishing them because i yep. never caught any fish on them yep and then I started fishing on last year and became confident in them. Now I throw a lipless crankbait. I throw a mm-hmm. 1.5. I throw a 2.5. I'm fish going to throw a 6XD at this lake in Savannah. This guy's catching. He just caught a nine and a half out of there the other day on a 6XD. So I will tell you if you can do <laughs> it and you can find a color that's comparable, the Berkeley Dredger goes about the same depth, but it's a smaller profile as a 6xd in my opinion of the deep diving crankbaits i like the berkeley dredger better than the the strike kings but oh, this that's is, maybe a personal preference oh, this is a digger 
not a dredger that's a dig yeah it's similar um so they make a dredger mm. which is basically the same thing so it's about the same body size as the digger right but it's got a what they did is they put a weight under the belly so instead of using a gigantic bill to make it dive they added a little like coin like almost like a coin battery weight at the bottom of the bait it keeps it square it makes it swim like actually true and in my opinion again i'm not a berkeley guy or yeah. a rapala guy or anything like that but i i found that i've had of all the deep diving crankbaits that's what i've had the most success on to be honest i don't use a lot of deep diving crankbaits what i do is i count down a lipless <laughs> so i'll throw it and i'll count it down and i'll go okay it took 10 seconds to hit bottom i'm in 10 feet of water that means i'm falling a foot per second so then i'll cast yep. it out and i'll count it down to where i want it to go and then i slow roll a lipless that's how i fish a deeper bait because i i will tell you those six xds especially in a kayak will wear you out oh i bet <laughs> because you literally could you could almost <laughs> troll your kayak with a six xd like you literally cast that thing out and you're reeling it and you're changing the direction of your kayak while you're reeling yeah. that thing back they drag hard which i could you know i could probably throw it out and kick the motor on high and just troll with it dude uh yeah so you do <laughs> not even high so what you do is what i used to do is you throw it into the wind which i know is bad but yeah. you can and then you drag it against the wind at like a slow speed and the resistance of the current and dragging it it will get super deep because it's like power reel and it's like speed cranking yeah but you're pulling against current so you don't have to go that fast so it has a lot of resistance and it just pulls Digs. that thing down deep yeah so but yeah it's a and like like we said before, Mike, there, there's a lot of baits out there that that are your go-to baits for any yep. angler. Like um, Bass Patrol Nation said, his his go-to is a trick worm on his shaky head. You know, old school is old school oh, gets the, right there, man. Yeah. So, um, so it, it's just what you can you feel confident in versus non-confident. You know, and you know. It, we all, I always tell people that ask me, hey, how do you go about learning a bait to fit? Um, is take that one rod, that one bait all day long. Yep, absolutely. And you just, that, that's just like trying to teach somebody to throw a bait caster. Yep. Put them in the backyard with just a, a weight on it. Tell them to keep throwing it, keep throwing it, keep throwing it until they get the. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I will yeah. tell you right now, this is this is how you learn a bait. And I'm actually going to be doing a series next year. I was talking about this on my podcast. So I'm doing a series called Nemesis Lakes and Nemesis Baits. And there's baits that specifically for me, jerk bait, spinner bait. There's a few baits that I just have yet to really catch fish on. And I'm going to do an entire video series where I'm going to literally dedicate a day but what i consider a day is like six eight hours right yeah. and i'm gonna go out there with four rods with different colors of that same bait and just fish them and and the thing is is go on youtube watch binya outdoors watch southeast georgia watch whoever you trust and watch 
They'll probably have a video talking about the basics of the technique so you understand the concept of it. Bring that bait, only that bait. Understand where you're going to fish it. So if you're going to fish a crankbait and you're fishing in, you know, lily pads, probably not a good idea. So you do have yeah. to think about where you're putting it, but put yourself in the situation that that bait should work and take only that bait. Because if you can change out of that bait, you're going to do what I do with a, with a spinner bait. I cast it five or six times. Oh, this thing's not fucking working. I uh, cut it off and I throw a chatterbait on. That's if it. you don't have another option, you're going to fish it. Like dedicate yourself to it and you'll be surprised when you do that, you'll learn. And the biggest thing is try to remember little details when you do catch a fish on something. Because what you'll learn is the bigger the variety of baits that you can have a skill set with, the better off you are because there is some days where they will only bite a Senko. There are some days where they will only bite a scrounger head or they'll only yeah. bite a chatterbait. You could throw everything from mega bass to cotton cordell and it doesn't matter what brand or what it is. They're going to like one color and one bait. And if you're confident with that style of bait, once you figure out that that's what they want, then you can dial in the color and find that pattern but sometimes i i know you probably had this too there's days man where you you go in on on paper it's supposed to be a jerk bait bite it yep. should be a jerk bait bite the conditions are a jerk bait bite and they're biting on a ned rig well you know i've, I've <laughs> it's fished, just how it is. I fished a lot of tournaments you know you go to pre-fish and you're catching them you're catching them six foot suspended on a freaking 2.5 in black and chartreuse and you go back <laughs> yep. tournament day to the same spot and you're talking to them okay i'm gonna go back to that bait and you don't Nobody catch a fish in the first hour you're like yep. screw this i'm i'm going back to the shaky head yep or i'm going back to a trick worm <laughs> weightless trick worm and that's what but, it is dude is it's yeah. honestly it's it's the biggest thing you can do for yourself and this is the most cliche thing yeah. and the most gimmicky statement that i ever make on the internet but i've said it a few times is if you go fishing and you're having a bad day on the water you're not catching fish don't just go home stop and catch knowledge is the, the term i like to use take a bait that you're not comfortable with on a day that you're not catching fish anyway screw it and just learn that bait because yep. at the end of the day, you're already out there. You're already rigged up. You've already got the day ahead of you. Take a bait that you maybe don't have all the confidence in the world in and be like, okay, you know what? I've been here three hours. I haven't gotten a bite. I'm going to pull this jerk bait out and I'm just going to throw this jerk bait for an hour and a half and see what happens. Because you will learn techniques. And honestly, the funniest part about it is, is the way Daniel works a square bill is different than the way I work a square bill is different than my buddy bear fishing works a square yeah. bill. So I can teach you the basics of cast it here and fish this kind of conditions and use this kind of retrieve. But maybe I reel at, you know, a mile an hour and Daniel reels at three quarters of a mile an hour. And the next guy reels at 0.85 miles an hour. Like Everybody has their own little nuances and your gear and equipment all make a difference. So we can only teach you the basics and then experience on the water cannot be substituted. Yeah. It's plain and simple. So this this lure I'm fixing to show you, Mike, is is a lure that I've I've never thrown a whole lot in this in this winter. I'm gonna learn how to fish it in the wintertime because I've I've heard that you can catch big fish 
fishing it is okay. a football jig is a football jig head um and i've you know i i like slow fishing i like yep. fast fishing um but i watched a video on this the other day and i kind of picked up some knowledge from the guy i watched on bass resource fishing mm -hmm. it and i'm facing to rig this up and go Dude, fishing that's it funny because so that's that's so funny about the differences in people's fishing because football jig is standard for me like that's that's yeah. i throw two jig well i can't say that i throw three different jigs one of them's a swim jig but to be honest i use an arky pitching jig as a swim jig sometimes because they're basically yeah. the same thing um but a football jig you can the thing about a football jig too is is one little trick that i've learned is a lot of guys so you can drag bottom with it which is your standard you know technique with it one thing you can actually do is once you're done so you feel like okay i've dragged this it's getting a little too close to the boat. It's starting into like more pendulum. Slow roll, reel it back. Don't burn it back to make the next cast because right. it just becomes a swim jig at that point. And you'd be surprised how many times when you're slow rolling that, that it will actually cause a reaction strike because you're bringing it up at an angle across those suspended bass. So it kind of looks like a crawdad swimming away from them. And you'd be surprised how many like so it gives you I will tell you it's less stressful as a power fisherman because you're still you're cast drag it a couple times or pitch it into wood or whatever you're doing with it drag it a little bit and then once you feel like okay I'm bored with this it's not going to get a bite instead of just burning it back slow roll it because you'd be surprised how many times fish will track it on the bottom and then when you start swimming it back they'll smack that thing yeah. and it makes it more fun to fish instead of just like because honestly you'll get tired if you're pitching and flipping all day oh i bet yeah it is. burn it back and then cast it again <laughs> burn yeah. it back and cast it again it gets tired after a while yeah. so uh let me get to a comment here sure from, um to loco 16 it says uh you're talking about the confidence part. Just the other day, I killed it with a fly I tied off from a frayed piece of 550 yep. cord. Yeah. Caught some nice gar and a few bass and even a catfish. Good deal, man. And that's what, what I mean. they bite. I think, <laughs> well, and that's the thing. I think a lot of guys get too hung up on. They think yeah. that because they spent more money on a bait, it's going to catch more fish. Yeah. That's not true at all. It's I not. can't be any further than true. It's it's all about working the bait, working the situation. You see where this is sitting, right? Still in the box. Yep. I won. I won a big bass contest with Fish Lab for five hundred. Yep. They they had a five hundred dollar thing for their website. I won. Yep. So I just I just ordered these things just to try them out. Yeah. Not even trauma. I thought they looked cool to sit on the shelf back here. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> it's funny but, because that's actually something that that's actually a good overrated, underrated. I want to throw this one at you. Yeah, is the big swim bait deals like the big live baits and stuff like that? What's you your know, rating on that? Man, I always ask because I always get different answers. Yeah, yeah. If I'm fishing a guy. I, I I can't even tell you, Mike, because I don't I don't fish them as much. 
um, probably if I had to fit, if I had to fish them, I would, okay. but you know, I'm not going to sit there and throw that two and a half ounce bait yep. for eight hours. Heck no. Like, no. uh, Chris Zaldani does over in Lake Fork and yeah, Sam Rayburn. Uh, no, I'm not. Melican. That's all he does. You know, them boys are big baits. Like big deep sea rig they throw on out there. So um, there, that's Milligan, why I asked. Milligan, you talking about Milligan though? He he catches giants on them. He does he does he destroys he on them. giant and, and I, I guess because he's got so much confidence in him that it's his you know it's his go to. It, it's but yeah, it's. I will say I used to be like in Vermont. I used to be like, dude, there's no way I'm throwing an eight inch glide bait. Not throwing a ten. I'm not doing it. Right. Yeah. The funny part is, I got sent some. I tried them out, and I was just trying to fish them to get footage. I wasn't even fishing them. Right. Ironically, I was using an underwater camera, and you. I should send you this rig, dude. It's ridiculous. It's a, literally a piece of plastic with a hammer tied to it. But, um, <laughs> I was fishing these baits, dude, and I was fishing eight inch glide, like big trout glide, and Dude, six inch smallmouth were fun. Like I was getting them on camera, tracking this thing back. A smallmouth that was smaller than the bait I was working was following it in. They weren't hitting it, but they were tracking it back in. So what's what what kind of gave me some thought about that is is the thing is is it's a technique specific thing. Yeah. And the other thing I've learned is that. I had the wrong mentality about it. So the mentality with the big swim bait guys is they're not going out there to catch 10 fish. They're going out there to catch two fish. They're going out there to throw that thing because the one that's going to hit it is a big bass. Right. Yeah. But the other thing that I've learned from watching enough videos with the big swim bait, which is why I always ask about like whether people think that they're you know valuable or not is it actually becomes a search bait because if you throw an eight inch glide, into a school of bass they're gonna follow it back and oh, then you sure. know that there's a school of bass there because they're gonna go right back to where they were they'll follow it and then they'll go back home so oh. if you throw that big bait even if they don't hit it you get the information of okay there was fish where i casted that somewhere between me and where i casted this bass that followed it back was there so then you throw in another bait behind it. So sometimes you can actually draw fish from right. a distance with those big baits and then throw another bait as a follow-up. And that's what I'm kind of learning about those. But I will tell you on the same spectrum, will you find me going and buying a $400 <laughs> swim bait? No. Fuck no. no. Not happening. No. I'm not going to go out and spend that money because I would ball my eyes out if I – casted birds nested my reel and that thing goes into the drink and i just lost four i just lost four hundred dollars because oh yeah i forgot to tie my knot properly or forgot <laughs> to retie like i'm never going to be that guy but i will say the big baits are starting to come into my my repertoire like it's something that i'm going to learn next year uh let me answer this question right quick because we've been going for about an hour and 10 minutes now mike so yep. um so Loco said, uh, any of y'all striper run this weekend, Geechee, one of my buddies ran into them and he got some nice ones. I can I can vouch for this. 
starting in November through February is a striper run in the Ogeechee River for you. Uh, if you want some information on it, you can shoot me an email at daniel at SCGKBF. I can tell you where to fish, it, fish at for them if you want to catch some. I couldn't tell you how big they are, but I've caught some 40, 45 pounders in the past out of there. Uh, Dude, there's, so. there's another reason why I got to come visit you because <laughs> – we have them in mass, yeah. but we can get them in mass and on the Hudson in New York, but yeah. we don't have stripers aren't a thing here. So, yeah. So, but yeah, cool they got them in Champlain. Oh yeah. So can you imagine what a striper would do with Champlain, dude? <laughs> yeah. He, they, they, they will ruin a fishery you know, for sure. Um, Lake Lanier's got huge ones. Sinclair's got, like all the Miller lakes. Oh, Stripe, yeah. Striper and Champlain would wipe out like entire genetic lines of fish because yeah. even the salmon and the, the the trout have just started naturally spawning. The salmon don't spawn at all. Yeah. So all the salmon that are in Lake Champlain are stocked. Oh, wow. They can't, they can't breed in there anymore. There's something about, I can't remember. There's some weird consistency or something that's wrong, but basically all the salmon are so they would wipe out the salmon. The striper would kill the, the salmon population right. because they would eat up all the food. Yeah. So, hey, we've been going for about an hour and thirteen minutes now, folks. Um, so we're not going to hold you any longer on the okay. cast. Um, what we can sit here all night and talk about over and unders, but uh, <laughs> absolutely. Hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving. Be safe in your travels. Um, have fun with your family. Enjoy your family time. Um, most tournament scenes are already on the download now. They'll start back up in January and February. But we'll be looking for some tournament stuff coming from SEG KBF. We've got some stuff already up on Tourney X, our Weekend Warrior stuff. Our uh, River Series, our Kayak Online Series will start, I think, in March. Actually, it'll start in March. And then where me and Mike's going to discuss about some other things for next year behind the scenes to get these yep. northern guys situated. But once again, thank you for joining the Main Contain Fishing Podcast. Make sure you go over and like the video, subscribe to our channels, uh, comment leave comments you can watch these videos later for the spotify people um it'll be up on monday and you can leave a comment on there as well if you need any information from myself you can reach me at daniel at segkbf.com um our next podcast will be november 30th and we will have a guest mr Dwayne whaley from tourney x will be on the show with us to discuss some things that's going on with his platform off tourney x um great guy just got off the phone with him this afternoon on a little call that he wanted me to call him about but other than that thank you for watching and fish on